Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Good to be in the house of God. Can anybody say amen? Why don't you turn around and find a couple of people. If you don't know them, even better. High five them and tell them it's good to be in the house of God again. Tell them it's not just going to be another Sunday. God has something special for us today. He's working on something. Praise God. Can we give it up for the worship team? We thank God for their lives. We bless them. How many of you guys are excited about what's going to go on at the end of this month? August 26, 27, 28? Okay, uh, praise God for, I think that was Anita clapping back there. You guys are not excited about what's going to happen? No? Yes? We're going to have Conquista. We've been doing this since 1996. So to be exact, it's going to be our 21st year. We're starting our third decade on this, and it's been amazing throughout the years. It's going to be great. Carly and Jesus were saying uh, some of our guest speakers are people that God is using around the globe. In the case of Jackson Senyonga, this guy is a guy that has over a million people under his ministry. He has, I don't know how many thousands of churches just in Uganda, Africa. I mean, just incredible, the miracles that we hear. And every time Jackson comes, my dad's like, you have to tell us because we're in that little room. And he's my dad's asking him about what's going on in Uganda. And he starts telling these just incredible testimonies. And then my dad's like, why don't you ever share with the congregation? You have to talk about what God's doing over there. So hopefully this time we'll convince him and he'll be able to share a little bit of what he's doing. I mean, incredible things that God is doing in Africa. Amen. So it's going to be crazy and he's going to be with us. So I believe that God's going to be with us as well. And that's the main invitee. So because of that, we believe that God's going to do amazing things here as well. Right? So talk to the person next to you and tell them, get ready. Come with the right motivation. Come expecting something big. And God will never let you down when you come expecting something big from his presence. I titled the message, Running in the Right Direction. Running in the Right Direction. It's not about whether or not you're running. You got to make sure you're running in the right direction. In the Bible, there's a bunch of prophets that wrote books. And the Bible has four major prophets and the Bible also has 12 minor prophets. Does anybody here know which are the four major prophets? Or at least one of them. Anybody. Just scream it out. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Okay, we're two for four. Huh? I heard one over there. Did you say that? Javi, was that you? Jeremiah, Isaiah. Those are the ones you said. There's two more. Got to do some Bible classes here, huh? You see why you got to come to the forward movement? Okay, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and which is the other one? Ezekiel. Those are the four major prophets. And then we have 12 minor prophets. I'm not going to make you name them. Because <laughs> we'd probably be here all day and we need to probably pray and intercede for God to give us revelation to be able to... Name them all 12, but we're, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about one of them, so I know you're going to at least know one of them, and his name is Jonah. Everybody say Jonah. And Jonah was somebody that I loved growing up because as a kid, 
I always loved stuff that had to do with marine biology and with the ocean. I remember when I was, must have been six or seven, my dad got me a book of fish, all the different species of fish. And I remember I memorized them. I, I mean, I just loved the ocean so much. I memorized all the fish. I knew what their names were. I knew how big they grew. I knew everything about them. I remember one day in elementary school, we had a classwork. And I remember you had to look up the names of certain fish and match them up with the picture. They gave us the classwork. It was supposed to last about an hour. And I remember I went like this, okay, grouper, boom, snapper, boom, this here, barracuda, okay, this, I know this, I know, and I finished it in two minutes, and I turned it in. And the teacher was like, okay, what was that about? And I started telling her that I was passionate. So she, I remember she got me out of the class, took me to the other teacher that was teaching fifth grade class, and she said, could you believe that this guy already finished? And then she started telling me, oh, you know, my husband goes fishing all the time. I'll bring you some fish. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. So ever, ever since I was little, I was always passionate about the ocean. I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was little. This story it was an incredible passion in my life because it talks about a huge fish that came and just swallowed Jonah, right? And we're going to get into the story, but this story is so much more than just, you know, what Sunday school makes it out to be, just about big fish eating a guy. So we're going to jump into it, and I want you to go to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse number 1. I hope you brought your Bibles. Open it up with me. That way the God can speak to you through the Word of God that you're holding in your hands, and not just through the screens. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You see, this story is about a mission that God had for this man called Jonah. I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of the person that's closest to you. And I want you to speak to them. Uh, on behalf of the Lord, and I want you to tell them God has a mission for you. Whether you know it or not, whether you are ignoring it or not, whether you're walking in that direction or walking in the opposite direction, God has a mission for your life. This is not just something that happened to Jonah, that because he was a prophet, God had, if we are alive, it's because God has us here with a purpose, and we have a mission given by God for us to do. So this guy had a mission and the Bible says that God told him to arise and to go into this certain city called Nineveh. If you read carefully, it says that Jonah arose. So he did the first part, but he didn't go in the direction that God told him to go. If we take this and we go a little bit back in history, up to that point, Jonah had been an incredibly successful prophet. He had prophesied that God was going to restore Israel. And you know what? The prophecy came to life. It came true. Israel was prospering in this time. There was an inflow. Money was coming into the kingdom of Israel all over. They were defeating their enemies. They were expanding their horizons. But at the same time, there was an, another city, which was their rivals, called Assyria. And Assyria had a king, and they were also expanding and growing. So these guys were like the enemies of Israel. And all of a sudden, I mean, this guy's like, he's like a hotshot in Israel. He's the prophet 
who prophesied that Israel was going to flourish, that God was going to bring abundance, and everything happened. So everybody knew who Jonah was because he had prophesied blessing and all these good things happening to Israel, and it happened. So now all of a sudden, God comes and speaks to Jonah, and Jonah was probably expecting God to tell him something like this, like Jonah prophesy over Israel saying that they're going to go to the Assyrians and they're going to wipe them out and Israel is just going to expand their territory and they're going to cover the entire globe. That's what he was thinking, but God didn't tell him that. He told him, go speak to your people, to the people that are your rivals, to the people that hate you, and go tell them that they're up to no good and if they don't change their ways, then I'm going to destroy them. Being that Jonah was very nationalist, look what Jonah did. And I, I found a map on the internet just so you could see a little bit and be able to picture what happened. You see, point A, can you guys see point A? Okay, point A, that's where he took off from, okay? That's where he was. God told him to go to point B, which is Assyria. And the capital of Assyria was Nineveh. But instead of doing that, he got on a boat and he crossed the entire Mediterranean Sea, all the way to Tarshish. So, I mean, if you look at that map, you're like, okay, this guy couldn't have gone any further. God told him to go one direction, and he went where? Totally, totally the opposite direction. I would read the story, you know, I've heard the story so many times since I was a kid, and I would always say, this guy is such a fool, man. Who would want to go against God? Who would want to do things the opposite of what God says? You know, sometimes we're so fast to be able to criticize people that do things not according to God's way. It's easy to open the Bible and say, this guy was such a dork. Why would he do that? He was a prophet of God. Also, being a prophet of God tells you that disobeying God's voice and going in the opposite direction is not something that happens to people that don't go to church. It could also happen to prophets, to pastors, could happen to leaders, could happen to anybody that doesn't understand or doesn't have revelation to understand what God wants to do. So Jonah did what many of us do when we hear something we don't want to hear. He moved to a place where he could no longer hear it. So he tried to go as far from God's voice as he possibly can. And if you look at that map, you're going to see that that statement is correct, or so he thought. So Jonah went ahead with his not very good plan. Let me get one ticket to not Nineveh. And so he boarded on the ship, and he went in the opposite direction of Nineveh. Now, Jonah's case involved an actual place. God had called him to go to a geographical spot. He told him to go to Nineveh, and instead he went to Tarshish. But sometimes... Not all escapes involve geography. There are many times that God wants to lead us in a life-given direction, and God speaks to us, but we have trouble turning in our plans in favor of God's plans. Sometimes God tells you, look, I want you to do this. And you're like, ooh, let me go as far away from God's voice or just tune them out. Just, it's like we have control of that volume, right? And we tune off God's voice and we don't realize that we're going in the wrong direction and we're doing exactly the same thing that we criticize this man for doing. We go in the opposite direction. So we have trouble turning in our plans in favor of his. For example, 
if this is your first time here in JTP Church, God's life-giving direction for you may be as simple as, man, show up next Sunday. You know, come back because God wants, to, wants you to continue growing in your faith. And he wants to keep building you up. If you've been coming to JTP Church for quite some time, for a few weeks, then maybe God's life-giving direction for you may be, hey, what are you waiting for? Join the forward movement. I want you to be able to grow in my faith and get involved and use your talents and, and connect with what I want to do through you in this community. I want to use you. I want to use your talents. I want to use your life. I want to I pour my spirit in you, give you of my oil, right, like we spoke last week, and I want you to take that to the nations. But, hey, start with your next-door neighbor. I want to build you up. If you've been serving already, hey, maybe God's life-giving direction for you may be, what are you waiting to start your HOB? Come on, start your HOB. And God has funny ways of working. He's not going to come down and you're going to see this white cloud and he's going to talk to you with a voice like thunder. God may use your youth leader to tell you, hey, what's going on? When are you planning? God's giving you so much and you have talents and you have grace to speak to people. And why don't you start your HOB? And you're like, oh, I'm going to Tarshish. I'm going on the opposite direction. So how long have you been escaping God's life-giving call over your life? How long have you been struggling with the calling of God and where God is trying to take you? How much longer are you going to continue fighting what God wants to do in your life? In the coming verses, God is a God that's patient. But you know what? When God wants to do something, he'll move everything he has to move to get you to do what he wants you to do. And the quicker you realize that, the less storms you're going to have to pass through. Read verse 4 with me. We're going to jump now to verse 4. I'm going to read all the way through 6. Still in Jonah chapter 1. It says, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. You see, he thought he was running away from God. But come on, let's be real here. Where can we go where God is not? So the Bible says that God knew what this man was doing. He knew his plan, what he was plotting out. So he sent a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now picture this. We're not talking about two to four feet waves. These waves were so big that the ship was about to break in half. And we're not talking about a little canoe either. There were multiple people in that boat, as we're going to see in a little bit. Then the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his God. And threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship. He had laid down and was fast asleep. The guy was taking a nap. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? In other words, what do you think you're doing taking a nap here while we're all about to drown? So the captain came to him and told him that. And he said, arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And when I read this, I couldn't help to think, this guy, in the midst of all this drama that's going on, he has the audacity to take a nap? Are you serious? We heard about Jesus taking a nap on the boat. You guys remember when a huge tempest, something very similar to this happened? But Jesus was doing the will of the Father. Now, this guy was up to no good. He was running away. He should be freaked out or he should be scared of what could happen to him. But the guy was just in peace just taking a nap, but before we criticize them, I wonder how many times we've done the same thing. 
Maybe it's not a literal nap that we've taken, but there's many different ways we can nap when God is pursuing us. We simply find a way to just lower the volume of his voice. We do this when we don't like what we're hearing or when God tries to move us in a direction that is not in our plans. It could be something that God wants us to do. It could be something that God is pursuing you and trying to get you to stop doing. It could be God's voice talking to you, a turn he is wanting you to take. Or a relationship he wants you to avoid and he wants you to stop pursuing. We're crazy to even think sometimes that we could outrun God. That we could go to a place where God could not find us or do things that God cannot see. God's mercy is massive. And this storm that the Bible talks about here tells us that God, he spares no expense in going after those who run away. Whatever God needs to do, he's going to do it. See, many of you guys have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You guys have given your hearts to Christ. The minute you did that, you connected with God. And God has a purpose for his life. And he's not going to give up on you. I've, I've heard so many people come to Christ and, you know, God did amazing things in their lives, changed their lives. Huge testimonies. I used to be a drug dealer. And, you know, God just came into my life. I don't need drugs now. I just want to preach to everybody and tell them that Jesus is the way and just incredible things. And then all of a sudden, with time, that first love or that oil, like we spoke last week, started, you know, lowering and going down. Its levels started going down until, you know, they went back to their old life. And sometimes you hear them testifying after they come back for the second time and they say, man, I, I tried to sin, but I can't even enjoy sinning. It's like God was always pursuing me. And that's the love of the Father, that even though we go on the opposite direction, God never fails us. If he wouldn't love us, he would let us go. And he wouldn't care. But I love this story because it talks about God's huge mercy. And it talks about God's compassion and how God doesn't give up on us or on the dreams that he's placed in our hearts. How many say amen to that? Can we give God glory for that? He's a God that pursues us. He's a God that doesn't give up on us. He's a God that continues pressing forward. You might see this storm that happened like a form of punishment. But in reality, it's an intervention brought on by God's affection rather than his anger. It's just God's love for this man and God's compassion for Nineveh that says, I'm going to pursue it and this guy might be hard-headed and this guy might be wanting to do his own thing and he's just blinded, but I'm going to continue pressing forward till this guy gets it. Because I love these people too much, even though it wasn't even God's people. Old Testament. He keeps pursuing this. And Jonah thought that running from God would make him free. Instead, it made him a slave. We can experience true life and freedom only when we come to realize that God is God and that we are not. Something that Jonah was resisting through everything that he was doing, through fleeing and disobeying God. I want you to write this down. Write this down. Submitting self to God is the only real freedom. Because the deepest slavery is self-dependence and self-reliance. Some people think that true freedom is doing whatever you want and not obeying God. But you're actually fooling yourself. That's actually slavery. Submitting yourself to God, putting your will, putting your desires, putting everything under God. And through the filter, which is God's word, is the only real freedom. Because the deepest slavery is self-dependence 
and self-reliance. The worst thing you could do is say, I got this. I could do this. Because when that happens and you run out of resources, you run out of strength, and you realize that you are nothing, that life comes and goes. It's just like the wind. It's here today, and tomorrow it's not. When you realize how, how fragile we are, you realize how dependent we truly are of God. And that as we turn ourselves over to God and submit ourselves over to God, that is when we start enjoying the true freedom that is in Christ. When you live your life believing that everything, family, finances, relationships, career, depends primarily on you, you're enslaved to you. Freedom comes when we start trusting in God's ability and wisdom instead of our own. Real life begins when we transfer our trust from our own efforts to the efforts of Christ. And it's interesting the type of relationship and how God dealt with this man's disobedience. Go with me to verse number 11. Same chapter. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read verse 11 and 12. Then we're going to skip to 14. And then we're going to skip to 17. It says, Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? Keep in mind that it was a huge tempest. They were fearing for their lives. The boat was about to break in two. I could imagine the waves just out of control. They got this guy sleeping all the way in the bottom of the boat. They wake him up and they bring him back up and they tell him, look, what shall we do so that the sea could be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. Think about it. The sea was incredibly crazy. Huge waves. It was a storm. And for him just to tell him, look, throw me into the sea, he'd rather die than to obey God's word at this point. At this point, Jonah would rather die. Think about it. He didn't know that there was going to be a big fish that was going to swallow him up and that God was going to deal with him and that God was still working at this point. The guy said, you know what? Just throw me into the sea. I'm going to die. I'm over this. Pick me up, throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. He knew. So jump to verse 14 now. It says, so they picked up Jonah, these people, and they literally threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Now check out verse 17. Here's where it gets interesting. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That does something to you. Raise your hand if you've ever been in the belly of a fish for three days or three nights. Anybody here? No? That is some Disney, Pinocchio, Geppetto type of stuff. I mean, that's, that's some crazy stuff. The Bible says that all of this that was going on was God dealing with this man's disobedience. And God trying to bring his plan to pass and his love and forgiveness to the city of Nineveh. In the midst of this process, somewhere while running in the wrong direction, Jonah prays to God. I want you to tell the person that's sitting next to you, there's no place too far that God's grace can't reach. There's no place too far. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, I've done way too many things for God to forgive me. Or maybe you're thinking, man, I've been in and out for way too long and playing church for way too long that I don't think God takes me serious. I think he's given up on me. 
But there's no place that you could ever go where God's grace can't reach you. How many say amen? Even in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights in the depths of the ocean. And I love this man because it wasn't until he repented. You see, sometimes there's so many things that we could avoid if we just listen to God's voice. But sometimes our own disobedience or us trying to do our plans without listening to God's plans leads us to certain situations that we have to go through. And God has to deal with us and has to break us down until we realize that if it's not for God, we can't get anywhere. We can't get nothing done. We need him. How many say amen to that? Can somebody raise their hand to heaven and say, we need him? Come on, tell him. He's listening to you. Tell him, I need you, God. We need him. We're dependent on him. So go to chapter 2, and I just want to read you a little bit of his prayer. Well, actually, his whole prayer. This is what Jonah prayed inside the belly of the fish. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. I'm reading in verse 1. From the belly of the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Everybody say, God always answers when you humble yourself before him. You see, it took him to be afflicted to be able to call on God. He was angry. He wanted to do whatever he wanted. But once he broke down and he humbled himself from his affliction, from that low place, literally in so many ways, that low place that he was in, he cried out to God and God heard him. And he said that God answered him. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I've been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed before me forever. Yet you have brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Wow. He's saying with thanksgiving, I pray, I ask you, what is there to be thankful to God for when you're sitting inside a fish's belly in the depths of the ocean for three days and three nights? But you know what? When you can find something to be grateful to God, I mean, he had life. He could have been dead. But he finally realized that this was all God dealing with him. And it was God's way of working through him and trying to get him to see God's mercy and how much he loved these people and didn't want an entire city to be destroyed. So he says, God, I humble myself and with the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. And the Bible says in verse 10, once he humbled himself, once he gave thanks to God for the little that he had, he said, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah into dry land. You know what that tells me? If God could speak to a fish, if God could speak to a fish in the depths of the ocean and give him instructions to go and spit this guy out in the shore. You don't think God can talk to your situation? You don't think that God can talk into that thing that has you trapped, that situation or that feeling? You don't think God can set you free from where you are right now, as low as you may think you are? There's nothing impossible for God. 
and he did it for Jonah, and he'll do it for me, and he'll do it for you. As long as we humble ourselves before God, and we can find a reason why to be thankful to God. There's so many. You see, going the right direction is easy when you can see clear. If I have my eyes and somebody tells me, head north. Hold on, let me make sure. Yeah, south. Okay, north is this way. If I have my eyes and I know where I am, I could head north. I could just start walking north and it's not too difficult. If you bring a blindfold and you blind me, you put the blindfold on me to the point that I can't see anything, you spin me around to the point that I don't even know where I am and you tell me to head north, then we're going to have a problem. So sometimes it's not so easy to know how to go in the right direction because we're blinded by so many things. We can't, we can't see clearly where God is leading us because we don't have a relationship with him. And we don't, we don't know how to listen to God's voice. So you know what we're doing? We're going through life. We have that blindfold on. And we're just going. And we just keep on going. And all of a sudden, we trip. And you know what? We get up. We say, well, it's not that way. And then we keep on. And just by trial and error, we try going places. We listen to where people, what people say. We try to do what, what we think is right. But we have no direction. But when we have God on our side, when we are obedient to God's word, when we start going in the right direction and we start giving God a chance in our lives, God's direction starts becoming clear. Not just with your spiritual life or with your divine calling, but also with respect to your family, with respect to your career, with respect to your future, with respect to your calling in God, with respect to your finances. God's direction just starts becoming clear. How many say amen? Jonah realized that there is no way he can escape from God's love and calling. And I want to finish off today reading you Psalms 139. This is a psalm that the psalmist wrote, and he said, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Come on, put your hands on the person that's next to you and tell them God knows you. God knows every single detail about you. And David said this, You've searched me, Lord. And you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Look what David is saying. And now think about what we were reading about Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. David is saying, where can I go from your spirit? Like, where can I hide from your presence? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, like Jonah, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea... Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. I'm here to tell you, maybe you feel like you've been running away from God. Maybe coming into the service today, you didn't think you were. But now allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to your life and seeing what Jonah did and seeing that anybody is prone 
to be able to lose focus. Even being a prophet, you could run into the mistake of saying, you know what, God told me to do this. I'm going to go to another place. You know what Jonah was scared of? And you know why Jonah didn't want to go? Because he said, you know what? I've prophesied that Israel was going to become great and it's become great. And now God wants me to prophesy to these people that if they don't repent, God's going to destroy them. I know God, Jonah thought. I know that if I take that word to Nineveh and I tell my enemies what God just told me, they'll probably repent. And God, because they will repent, will not destroy them and will forgive their land. And the prophecy that I gave that God was going to destroy their land will not come true. And he was too prideful to be able to take that. So you know what he said? I'm not going to do that. He was very nationalist. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I hope these people burn and die. I mean, they're... And God started dealing with him. You know, so many times God speaks to our hearts. And he, he pushes us to have compassion for people that are like Nineveh because they don't know the Lord, because they don't have direction. And God tells us, look, go speak to your neighbor. Tell people about Christ. I wasn't thinking of taking it this direction, but God knows what he's doing. Sometimes we don't have the boldness to be able to speak to people. We want to stay in our own blessing. And we want to worry about what God does for our lives. We don't have enough compassion to be able to go into people that are destined to hell if we don't tell them about Jesus. And it took a storm. It took a huge fish. I don't know what kind of fish it was. Some people say it was a whale. I have, the Bible says a great fish. It took him being three days down there, a lot of time to think. A lot of time to just be able to meditate on everything that had happened. And finally, he got it. And I could imagine him sitting down uncomfortable I bet in the belly of the fish the Bible says that when he prayed he says that weeds were wrapped around his head so you can imagine he probably wasn't in, an, in a very comfortable position because every time you run away from God you're not going to be in a comfortable position there's going to be storms that are going to rage and maybe there's somebody here that you've been running away from God's calling for so long and like I said at the beginning it could be the very first time you come to church or it could be somebody like him, that he was a prophet. You could be a leader. You could be somebody that you come to church, you go through the motions, but you're running away from God's calling because you know that God has called you for more. And you know that God has a plan for your life. And still you're struggling and years have passed and you've gone through storms in your life. The amazing thing is that you're here today. If you just humble yourself and if you just look up to God, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what hell you're going through, right now in your family or in your personal life and you look to God and you have something to be grateful for and you could see through all the misery and all the stuff that you've gone through and all the things that are going bad in your life you could find one thing and say God and maybe that that only thing is like Jonah it was his life he didn't have possessions he was in the depths of what could he be thankful God just thank you because if I'm alive it's because of you you must be trying to work something with me and you must be dealing with me because if not I would have died a long time ago but if I'm alive here in the belly of a fish it's because your grace is still sufficient and you haven't given up on me
And I feel tonight, there's people here that God hasn't given up on you. You've been running from God's call for a long time. You've been fighting against it. You've been trying to do your thing, trying to go in the opposite direction, far away so that you won't be able to listen to God's voice. But you know what? Today God brought you here. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up because I want to do a calling today. I want to extend a calling on behalf of God. And I want to call all those that one way or another are running away from God's call. Whether it is that God wanted you to get more involved and continue, but you know, you got to a certain point, you said, God, let me do this at my pace. And God backs off and he says, all right. And you don't realize that when you depend on yourself and when you start to do things your way instead of God's way, you're not experiencing freedom. On the contrary, you're experiencing slavery. You're slave to yourself. But I believe that God is in this place and he wants to set people free. He wants to see God's purpose flourish in you. He wants to see the grace of God flow in you like you've never seen it before. He wants to see you just work miracles in people that have needs that you know in your family, you know, where you work. God wants to do great things in you. He wants to start using you in your small group to be able to affect that neighborhood where God placed you. He wants to take you to another level and he constantly wants to take you from glory to glory. He wants you to grow in faith. But something happened along the way. You got weeds tangled up on your head and you're sitting down and you've been stagnant for a long time. Well, today, this is your night to humble yourself and say, God, you know what? I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I still have life and I'm grateful that I came to church today and I still can hear your loving voice calling out to me that shows me that you still love me, that you still care for me and that you haven't forgotten about all the plans that you have for my life. Before you come up to the altar, if that's you, that God's spoken to you today, once Jonah was vomited back into the, into the shore, mental picture, the Bible says that he got up and guess what he did? He went to do what God had told him to do. He went to Nineveh. He started preaching and saying, if you guys don't repent, God's going to bring fire from heaven and he's going to wipe you guys out. You know what happened? The king of Assyria, he heard what he was saying. And he got all the people, mind you, there was no social media, there was no, not even a microphone, no speakers. I don't know how they got the word out. It, that city was comprised of 100,000 people. So it was a large city. It was the capital of Assyria. But one way or another, the word got out and he called a fast. And the Bible says that kids, men, women, even the king, even the cattle, even the animals fasted. And the Bible says that God saw their hearts, that they turned to God and God forgave them. It's funny because the Bible talks about Jonah. He went up to a, to a mountaintop. He sat down looking over the city of Nineveh to see how God was going to burn them <laughs> and wipe them out. And the Bible says that God's mercy fell over those people and forgave them. 
God used this man, one man, and, and his calling was to go and be a prophet to that nation for the salvation of 100,000 people. And he got mad because God didn't burn them. God didn't accomplish what he said that he would do. That's another story. The thing is that once he got out and once God gave him another chance, he said, you know what? God's been too good. I got to do what God called me to do. And he went. I don't know if he was in a good mood or in a bad mood, but the Bible says that he went and he, he served God and he did his, what he was supposed to do. So I want to do a calling today for people anybody that's been running away from God. Maybe you've been fighting God. You've been fighting the calling. You've been fighting where, the direction where God has been leading you. And God's mercy is here. And His arms are open. And if you humble yourself like Jonah did, there's still hope. Let's worship God. And as we sing this song, everybody close your eyes. God is ministering to people right now. And if that's you, if you feel like you're running away, or if you feel that you put a stop, God was bringing you and he was, he was growing you in the faith and all of a sudden you halted it. And God is saying, come on, I want to get closer to you. I want to be able to use you. I want to take you to new levels. I, wanna, I want you to influence your family. Don't think small. I want to I use you to save many people. I want to use you to be able to extend my kingdom. If that's you, come on forward. Your love brings me to my knees, brings me to my knees. My King forever, you are all my heart desires until the end of time. My soul surrendered. 